So we conclude this series. We have been in a four-week series on the hot seat. We have talked about different elements of, of tough topics that a lot of times are conversations that might be going on in the world that a lot of times we don't talk about in church. We've talked about identity and, and gender identity and sexual identity and all those type things that encompass that. And how our identity is in that of Christ. Then the next week we talked about how racism uh, and stereotypes have impacted us. And it's dwindled down all throughout the church. And and there's false teachings connected to it. And uh, we addressed several of those type things in that message. And then last week we talked about marriage and relationships. And what that should look like. And how we should be a model to the world on how we are with our relationships. And so today, I want to talk about something that really is quite a stigma. A stigma. A stigma, uh, one that I grew up with, and um, is one that, with a learning disability, um, I was uh, diagnosed in the middle school having attention deficit disorder. I remember it was a stigma, though, because people didn't talk about it. But what I discovered is a lot of my friends had ADD. Many of them had ADHD, but I had just the the form of ADD where I had trouble focusing. And so, you know, mom and dad took me to the uh, doctor and, you know, they gave me some medicine. But I remember going back to school and like the world didn't talk about it. It was a stigma. But now, of course, we, we can talk about it. And we realize, hey, there are so many people around us that have that. Adults here today, like y'all have trouble paying attention. If you have question about it, be up here one Sunday. <laughs> I can tell that some of y'all are struggling to pay attention a time or two, and that's okay. I'll wake you up if I have to. <laughs> Um, But there is a stigma that's in our culture that's very much like this one that I just mentioned. And we're going to address it today. And it's called depression. Depression. It's all around us. The world is dealing with it. There is study after study that, you know, impacts the world on depression. And yet in the church, we tend to don't talk about it. We tend to just kind of pretend like it's not here. It's not that people don't deal with it. But the reality is, is that we all, in some way, shape, or form, have some type of connection to depression. Whether it's us going through those moments of depression in life where we go through, you know, the valley low. Or whether it's a loved one or a friend that is going through it as well. And so today we're going to look at it. But it's a stigma that we have to just get rid of. We have to quit sweeping under a rug or pretending that it doesn't exist. See, here's the thing. If I come to you and I say, hey, I have a cold this morning, what are y'all going to say? Hope you feel better. Yeah, you might want to pray for me, right? And that's great. Some of you will be like, uh, stay away. Like, do you have the flu? Like, <laughs> have you been to the doctor? Those type things. That's the normal reaction to when we are physically sick, we respond in those ways. But yet when somebody comes in and says, I'm having some issues right here. 
oh no, something is completely messed up with you. And we treat it as a stigma. But this right here is just as much a part of our body as your nose, your mouth, your arm, your hand. It's just as much a part. And we have to treat it. We have to look at it and, and, and think about you know, how it impacts us. See, depression is a very real thing. Depression is a mood disorder uh, characterized by loss of experiencing pleasure, uh, extreme sadness, uh, sleep problems, uh, loss of appetite, feelings of guilt, feelings of helplessness, and feelings of hopelessness. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that definition, I'm like, you know, <laughs> I've been there a time or two in my life. I've had issues related to that. But yet many of us, we think that, oh, well, that doesn't impact me. Or it doesn't impact this church or our community. I'm here to tell you, yes, it does. It greatly impacts our community and our families to even you as an individual. Like you will go through moments of despair. May we not fall into it and, and not get out of it. May we realize that it is very real and we have to go to Jesus about it. One out of nine people are on some type of depression medicine. So if you go and you greet nine people this morning, chances are one person that you greeted this morning is on some form of depression medicine. Yet we treat it like a stigma in the church and in our world. One in five people have at some point in their life been on some form of depression medicine. One in five. Since 1998, antidepressant medicine has gone up 400% and continues to climb. Depression is real. Depression is affecting us. If we continue to treat it like a stigma, if we don't go to the Word and see what the Word says about it, I believe that will continue to climb. And may it not climb, may it go down. See, this is one of the number one health problems in our world today. Yet we don't talk about it. Or if somebody comes forward and says, I'm dealing with this, maybe sometimes in the church's culture as a whole, you tend to ostracize that person. You tend to treat them like a leper. Back in Scripture, when lepers were identified, they spent time outside of the city gates. May we not respond that way. And so today, I want to start off by this. Is it's okay not to be okay. We'll start there. It's okay not to be okay. See, the church answers as we come in, we say, hey, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. You aren't fine. Like every Sunday that I greet you, you might not be fine. And it's okay for us to be honest with one another and say, you know, I've been having a terrible week. I'm not feeling well. Like this happened. Because you know what Christians are supposed to do is we're supposed to carry one another. We're supposed to carry one another's burdens and to lift one another up. 
But yet, we come in and we say, oh, I'm fine. But see, my good friend, Davey Blackburn, which is my college roommate, um, he is really one of the pastors that's really speaking out against oppression and grief. Uh, Davey is one that I mentioned when I first came here. Davey, uh, he was um, on national television uh, a few years ago. I think it was about five years ago, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, His wife was killed in a home invasion in Indianapolis, Indiana. And so he came back from the gym and he finds his wife bleeding out and they rush her to the hospital and 24 hours later, she dies. He didn't know when he got there that she actually had a, a, a wound that was caused from a bullet. But she took three bullets and it took her life. And it was a home invasion with, with a robbery, and it was just an awful story. And uh, they're still in the, the court system and trying to prosecute and things like that. But he has basically taken that situation, and God has actually taken that situation, and turned it for good, where he is going and he's speaking out at different churches and in communities and, and saying, hey, grief is real, depression's real. And he says this, that it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. We can come in here and say, hey, I'm not okay. I am in a very dark part in my life. I feel like I'm at the valley low. I feel like I'm not okay. But we don't want to stay that way. We don't want to stay in despair. We want to turn to Jesus. We want to turn to one another. And lift each other up. That's what the church should model. An author of a book called The Depression Cure. Says that we are never designed for this indoor, social, isolated, fast food laden, sleep deprived, frenzy pace of modern life. But yet if you look at our modern life, our cell phones, our social media, our lack of identity... Um, our you know different things that's going on, our narcissistic uh, lifestyles, our selfie generation that we tend to bring this on ourselves within our generation. We um, are you know living in this frenzy of a lifestyle that you know is the modern age. But I'm telling you that it is affecting us. It is affecting us greatly because if you look back just in that stat. 1998 to now, a 400% increase. Like, it impacts us. And if we go even deeper with this depression, it impacts us greatly because 800,000 to a million people worldwide will commit suicide this year. Up to a, a million people. And see, the stats are, are you know, kind of from 800,000 to a million because, like, some nations don't keep track of those records and things like that. In America alone, 40 to 50,000 Americans will commit suicide this year. That's about 110 people a day will commit suicide this year. Depression doesn't affect us. If you don't realize that it does affect us, like something's wrong with you. 
Like this is one of the number one killers in kids 15 to 25. Like our youth ministry, they are dealing with this. There's you know, anxiety, there is depression, there is things like that's going on in their school system. And we, as a church, have to be there for them to process through those feelings. It's very real. And it's time for the church to talk about it and not treat this as a stigma. A pastor that I look up to, Chris Hodges, said this, that suicide is a permanent, irreversible attempt to solve a temporary problem. These are temporary problems. Depressions, those feelings, those are temporary. But yet, this is a permanent, irreversible attempt to solve temporary problems. But see, the problem is, is that the church doesn't speak on those temporary problems. So we get to the point where we're having to address suicide. And it's very real. Many of you, you probably have someone, a friend, a loved one, that has taken their life. My grandfather took his life. I never was able to meet him. Because he was dealing with depression and people didn't talk about it. You didn't talk about it in that day and age. But it's very real and we have to talk about it. Pastor Rick Warren, who is a pastor who wrote the book, The Purpose Driven Life. Um, very world-renowned um, author and, and pastor. Just a few years ago, he, his, his son was going through depression and they were really unaware of it. They weren't, um, they weren't uh, talking about it a whole lot in the church. And his own son took his own life. And it greatly impacted their life. To the point where he's like, you know what? We have to be talking about this. And so he started to develop resources and, and challenging churches and pastors to talk about that. And one thing that he um, really emphasizes is this number that I'm going to put on the screen. And that's for any one of you. I don't doubt that somebody here today has been going through this. Actually, last night we were at the, the conference, and even Louis Gigolo uh, spoke on the suicide rate that's impacting our generation. And so if anybody here today is ever, you know, you're, you have a plan, you are struggling. Call this number. It has saved many people's lives. Don't handle it on your own. Call that number. And so let's turn to the Word, the Word of God. That is our source of life, our source of direction. But as you look at the Word of God, many of you think, oh, well, that, this doesn't impact us. But the Word of God is clear that it does impact us. Like there is heroes of our faith that go through moments where they're struggling and they're in the valley low and they are in despair, they're in depression. You think about Jeremiah, prophet, one of my favorite prophets. He is faithful, one of the most faithful prophets, speaking 40 years and no one truly repenting, but yet he is faithful. And what does he go on to do? He writes a whole book on lamentations. This is about lamenting. And we as a church, many times, we don't know how to lament anymore. Like you turn to the Psalms and you see the psalmist, 
He knows how to lament. But yet, where are our songs of lament? Where is the space to say it's okay not to be okay? And pointing us to Jesus. Even Paul himself, a few times in his life, he had moments of despair. So let's turn to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. Um, last week I actually even talked about this. This is a spirit that I believe that is impacting us to this day. And it's the spirit of Jezebel. And we're going to look at it today and be honest and, and see how Elijah processed through this. And so we'll be in um, 1 Kings chapter 19. Y'all can turn there. But let me build up before this what was going on. Many of you probably know about this story of Elijah and the prophets of Baal and how you know, they were challenging uh, Elijah and, and Yahweh, our God, the Father, we, we follow. And Elijah basically says, okay, I'll do this. And if the fire comes, then you know, basically you win. <laughs> but then he's like, no, my God is greater than that. So soak the altar, like soak it. As wet as you can get it, and my God will make fire. Of course, that happens, and it was a huge win for Elijah and for, for God and for us as God's people. But then what, what often happens, okay, in huge wins in churches, huge wins in pastor's life, the enemy comes to attack. Guys, I'm going to be honest with you. We had an amazing year last year. Like The Holy Spirit changed a lot of people's lives. Jesus was made famous. Like 39 people at some point of the year, whether it be at a, a, an outreach event or here at the altar, made commitments of faith. 11 of us went forward in baptism. We are reaching out to the community. We are becoming known as a church that isn't just concerned about the things inside the walls, but we're going outside and reaching the community. And that's great, but the reality is, is that Satan isn't happy. Because whenever we're going in the direction and we're following Jesus, Satan wants to greet us. Because what Satan wants to do is to Cause us to fall. Cause us to turn. Cause us to follow His ways. And that's exactly what we see here with this Spirit. So let's pick up in verse 1. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent the messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, uh, be it ever so severely if by this time tomorrow i do not make your life like that of one of them so she's challenging him like she's going after him like this spirit is after elijah he just had this huge win in his life but then he responds verse three it says elijah was afraid and ran for his life has any of us ever been afraid at some point in your life where you had a legitimate fear in your life? I know I have. And maybe if you haven't, then maybe you should actually question, are you actually active with your faith? 
Elijah was afraid. And of course, he ran for his life. And when they came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. Hmm. He left his servant there. I just want to pause there. Some of you are going through a very hard time right now. Are you leaving people? Are you just going at it alone? Are you trying to do this life and and, uh, walk through this fear even? Walk through this hard time all by yourself? Elijah did that. While he himself went a day's journey into the desert, he came to a broom tree. He sat down under it and he prayed that he might die. Like he is at an all-time low to the point of death where he's like, I am afraid, just take me now, Lord. Like, just take me. I've had enough, Lord. I've had enough, Lord. Like many of you are going through life's journey right now and that is your life verse. I've had enough, Lord. (laughs) Like, like I'm serious, like... Many of us are there. We, we understand we're, we're at that low and this might be our life verse. Like, I have had enough, Lord. And he said again, take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. He lay down under the tree and fell asleep. He is at an all-time low. He is running in fear for his life. He is to the point where he's like, just take my life. I, I've had enough. And maybe you can relate with that right now in this moment that you are at an old time low. You are depressed. You are grieving. You are struggling spiritually. May we turn to the Father. Of course, Elijah had a great relationship with the Father. He did what the Lord had for his life. I mean, he just came off this huge win, but of course the enemy is attacking. But the thing is, is we don't go through our battles alone. We have angels, angel armies. We have Jesus. Even when we don't know how to pray, Jesus is praying for us. He is interceding for us. We aren't going through this alone, people. Like, we have the army of the Lord by our side. But yet many of us try to go in it alone. And we don't turn to the one who is the source of power, of direction in our life. Elijah, he got in his head. Many of you probably have got in your head where you think, oh, it could be this, I, I shouldn't have done this, or man, I wish I went, I went this direction in life, or why is this happening to me? And you're processing all in your head what's going on. You can't stay there. And you shouldn't be alone. You shouldn't go through this together. We need to band together and go together. But then another thing that Elijah did was he followed his feelings. Now, feelings are real. I, I, I am honest about that. Feelings are real. If somebody says that feelings are real, like, like punch them. They'll say, oh, yeah, <laughs> it's real now. <laughs> like, if you're alive, like, feelings are real. But we can't follow our feelings. 
If you follow your feelings, it will take you all kinds of ways into the world. Our feelings can be misleading at times. But the truth that is in Scripture is what we should hold on to always. And then, of course, Elijah begins to compare. I am no better than my ancestors. I am to this point, many of you are probably like this, I am to this point because my grandfather was like that. Or, you know, this is what my ancestors dealt with. I'm no better than them. Turn to the Lord. And I love what the angel of the Lord did. So, you know, Elijah's going through this hard time and he's struggling and he takes a nap. Like many times you're going through those hard times and, you know, depressed times, times of despair. Like sometimes the most spiritual thing that we can do is just rest. Most of the time whenever people are going through all these hard times in the world, they're, they're losing sleep. Some of the most godly counsel they can receive is just go home and take a nap. Go home and Sabbath. And so he took a nap, and of course the, the angel of the Lord came back a second time. And, or Sorry, the, the angel of the Lord came, and he said, Get up and eat. And he took him, and he, uh, there by his head there was a cake of bread. I'm like, wow, like God made you know, angel bread, angel food cake right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fed him right there on his head as he wakes up he sees this bread he he eats it he drinks water he ate and drank and he lay down again and went back to sleep all your men are thinking man i'm gonna go home i'm gonna watch the golf channel or i'm gonna watch the race or whatever and i'm just gonna go to sleep and let the the lord attend to me that might be the best thing for you <laughs> to rest in the lord but seriously, like turn to the Lord for even your own physical health. Many of us are just tired. We are in a fast-paced uh, world where we are so busy. We have these little devices that I believe in 50 years we'll have like some type of neck development issues because we're always looking down like this, you know, and scrolling. Probably have like carpal tunnel from just one finger of scrolling, right? Like. We have to rest from those things. Put them down. Like, stop playing the keeping up with the Joneses and an Instagram-worthy family, right? Like, listen, like, get alone with the Lord. Speak into my life, Father. I want to rest in you. But also don't go in alone by yourself. Like, speak to other people, brothers and sisters in Christ, that might have went through some of the similar things that you're going through. And they will be able to give you counsel and say, hey, this is what the scripture says about this. Like, turn to him. So here's what I want to challenge you with, is don't lose pep. Don't lose pep. Pep is this, physical health. If you are physically, you know, you know exhausted, you better bet that emotionally, you're going to be exhausted as well. So physical health is the first P of pep. Don't lose pep. The E is emotional energy. 
the emotional energy. If you lose physical health, then you better be bet that your emotional energy is going to be wasted as well. And then, of course, if, you have, if you're lacking physical health, lacking emotional energy, then personal effectiveness is going to be gone. And so may we be conscious of our physical health that, hey, we need to rest. We need to you know, make sure that we are active. We need to go to, if we're going through some things that's in our head and, you know, we're struggling with depression and despair, like, don't go out of it alone. Like, turn to people in the church. But also, the reality is, is that there is professionals. Like, we pay doctors to look after our body and take care of us. Go to counselors. Go to people that will be able to help you because this is just as much part of your, brain, uh, your body as it is you going to the doctor with a hurt arm. So depression is real. So if I have a broken leg, you know, here's the reality. If I have a broken leg I'm pro- or a broken arm, we'll say a broken arm. If I have a broken arm, I'm probably going to come to the church. I'm going to say, hey, guys, I just broke my arm. Like, pray for me. Like, seek God. Like, pray for me. Like, it's hurting. But guess what else I'm going to do? I'm going to go to the doctor. And I'm going to have that looked at. And he's going to put a, you know, a cast on or something. But yet, like, the stigma is, is that uh, we get in our brain like, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm depressed. My brain, I, I am in a dark place. Why wouldn't we go to the doctor over those type things? Why wouldn't we be able to go to someone else and say, hey, I'm in despair. I'm in very deep grief. Like, I need help from one another. So may we turn to other people as well, not go in it alone. Elijah was ministered by the angel of the Lord. And then, of course, he is fed, he goes into sleep, and then he's sent out. And that is where the next story is that he goes and he enters this cave and he hears from the Lord, but it's not in the wind, it's not in the earthquake. You know, it's not in those things, those elements that you would have thought that the, the Lord of power would have spoke from. It was the still, small voice where Elijah heard. And I believe that many times in our life when we're going through those moments of despair, it's the still small voice that we need to be aware of and listen to but you can't be that if you're following the ways of the world and you the chaos of the the world and how the enemy is trying to get in your head and trying to separate you and trying to guide you with your feelings and trying to you know get you to compare with other people like that's the thing that's the tools of the enemy the lord is faithful the lord has always been faithful and he will continue to be faithful the lord is truth like there's truth in his word and we can hold on to that not don't follow your feelings and so let's turn to um uh, psalm 42 we'll close with this psalm 42 if you go and you read any uh, really i challenge you to read the psalms if you're struggling you're like (laughs) Does anybody ever go through hard times or am I just alone? Turn to the psalmist. And so here we are. The psalmist in Psalm 42 
is going through one of the hardest times of his life. You know, he's, he's hungry. He is thirsty for God. He's calling out in his lament. Tears, it says in verse 3, have become his food. Like if you can imagine that picture, this imagery that the psalmist is saying that the tears that he's crying is going into his mouth and it's becoming his food. That is the only thing he is consuming day and night. Like he is in an all-time low. He is in despair. He's in depression. And he's crying out. And then it goes on. And it says that he is, um, in verse 6, it says that my soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I remember you. And so his soul is downcast. Like the psalmist understands when we go through tough times. He actually understands whenever we go through tough times. Because if you go back, he also says in verse 3 that the men would say to him all day long, Where is your God? Many of you are going through tough times and you, you know, people are reminding you, Well, where's God? Like if you follow God, then where is he even in this despair? might feel like God isn't there, but He is ever-present. He is always there. Like, you can't leave His presence. Like, it says that you can try to go to the lowest place, the place of Sheol, and He will still be there. You can't leave His presence. He is always after you. And that's exactly true of the psalmist where he was in this despair, and he's crying out. And I love what the psalmist does, and he does this throughout his psalms and, and throughout you know, this teaching here in the psalms, and it says this, and uh, you, know, you see it in multiple places, but it says, Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him. For I will yet praise Him. And you see that in verse 5. I will yet praise Him. You see that in verse 11, I will yet praise him. If you go on over to verse, uh, actually uh, chapter 43, verse 5, it says, I will yet praise him. Even if we don't feel like it, I will ever praise him. And many of you are thinking, oh, well, that's just the Old Testament. If you turn to the New Testament, you turn to James. James says, even when you're going through trials, consider it pure joy. Like, he says, choose joy. Like, choose it. Like, it's, it's something you have to, like, choose. It's not just a feeling, a feel-good emotion. It's a conscious choice that we have to pick up. And this is exactly what the psalmist is doing. He's literally, like, almost like picking up his soul, so to speak. Like, in a, not a literal, but... You know, just looking at it, it's like, I will pray. You are downcast, but I will praise him anyway. Like many of us are going through the lowest times of our life, but you literally have to pick it up and say, listen, I'm in this lowest point, but I will praise him. I will praise him in the middle of the storm. I will praise him in the middle of this valley. I will praise him in the middle of the, you know, the, the junk of life, the chaos of life. I will praise him even when I don't feel like praising him. I will do it anyway because God is 
worthy. But here's the beautiful thing is when we do that, when we come into the church and we start to praise him, like seriously, truly praise him, even when we don't feel like it. You know, you come in and you're, you're like down. You're down. You're downcast. Your soul is downcast. But God, you're just, you're just so good. You're worthy of my praise. Like, like, I turn to your scripture and I read how faithful you are, even in those storms of life. Like, I, I, you, you, it changes you. Where you become down, it lifts you up. And you might need to do that over and over again to get you out of that pit. But God is faithful. He will meet you there. It says in verse 7, Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. And all your waves and breakers have swept over me. Basically, he's sitting, he has his soul in his hand, so to speak. And he's seeing the wave after wave of God just pouring in over him. Covering him with his grace, his love, his strength. Everything from God. He is, God is after you. He is wanting to comfort you. He is wanting to guide you. And he is wanting to wave after wave over this situation of despair. Over this situation of depression. Over those lonely nights. Over those grief situations that you're going through. God is wanting to pour his grace all over you. May we turn to him who is able and he's also good at doing just that. Don't go at life alone. And I'll close with this as my mom comes and, and plays softly for us. I'll, I'll close with this. This passage of scripture has guided me throughout this life. Especially in moments of despair in my life. Of depression in my life. It says this in Elijah 61. Three, it says to them that mourn in Zion to give unto them beauty for ashes the oil of joy for their mourning the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that they might be called trees of righteousness the planting of the Lord that he might be glorified May we choose joy. May we choose garments of praise. Even in our mourning. Even in our despair. Even in the heaviness of life. May we choose righteousness. May we glorify Him. Because He is worthy. And so some of you here today, or you are at this dark moment of life. You are going at it alone. And you need friends in your life friends are here people are wanting to pray for you i'm wanting to pray for you i know that in my dark moments of life i turn to people i'll be honest like i turn to mentors that are much older than me and say listen how did you get through this help me i've turned to counselors and said listen can i just be honest and open with you like i'm, I'm here speaking in my life of course this christian counselors i really recommend because i want them to speak truth into my life but there is christians here today that have probably went through those stages those moments and they're wanting to encourage you here today
And so today we're just going to open up the altar. If you're here and you're depressed, if you're struggling in life and you just need a friend, may you come bow before the altar. Of course, Jesus is our perfect friend who came down, left heaven to come into this earth. And He cares so much about you, so much that He was willing to die on a cross for your sins. But He didn't stay in the grave. He defeated Satan. He defeated darkness. And He rose to life. And He's wanting to do that in you as well this morning. May the same resurrection power that was in Jesus be here today, in this hour, in this moment. And so if you are struggling right now, just come before. And church, Christians here today, gather around these people. Lift them up. Lift them up today. Let's turn to Jesus.